Uh, nine years ago, uh, April and myself and Parker and Connor and Lexi, who was still in April's stomach at the time, and our dog came home for Christmas from Bible college. And we, we had to leave pretty quickly right after, after school ended because they were calling for uh, weather all around, along the route that we were coming on. And uh, it was, you know, probably remember nine years ago when Virginia got like 28 inches of snow uh, right before the week of Christmas. And that was that, was that week. And so we were trying to come home, and I'd, I'd gone to the administration. I didn't have any classes that day. And I said, hey, can I just, can I leave a day early? But they're like, no, if you leave before class gets out, you miss nine points. And it was my last year, and I'm like, I'm not doing so good in Greek, and I need those nine points. And so we had to stay. And, uh, but as soon as class let out, I did skip chapel. Shh. Uh, but I, so I skipped chapel. We, we left as soon as we could. And the roads, everything was fine. The weather was great. We made it through Indiana. We came through Ohio. Everything was great. And then we hit West Virginia. West Virginia messes up everything. I hate West Virginia. We, anybody from West Virginia? I'll pray for you. I'll pray for y'all. Amen. Well, you're transplanted to Virginia now. Amen. But we got to West Virginia, and, and it started snowing. And it wasn't snowing bad, but it, it started snowing. And then at the further we got, the worse it got. And finally, we made it to, to Charleston, and it was coming down pretty heavily. And we made it to the toll plaza right outside of Charleston. And we got to that toll plaza, and the lady at the toll plaza told me, the, t the toll road is closed. You can't go any further. And so we had to turn around and head back to Charleston. And luckily, we found a hotel room uh, because everyone was getting turned around. Everyone was having to stop. And so we found a hotel room outside of Charleston at the Red Roof Inn. And so we got a room. We hunkered down for the night. It was actually it was kind of a blessing. At that time, Connor, uh, he was still very young, and he... He loved to sleep in his bed. And if he didn't have his bed, he was kind of a brat. And so he was in the back for the last three hours just screaming bloody murder because he wanted a bed. And so he got to lay down. And, you know, this 12-hour trip was taking us longer anyway because April was nine months pregnant. And so we had to stop every 20 minutes uh, so she could go to the bathroom. And I, I, I had, I'm like, let's bring a bucket. That wasn't working first. Like, no, I'm not doing that. So we had to stop all the time. So it's a, we're stressed out. I'm, I'm, you know, the weather's been getting to me. Connor's been screaming. April's been making me stop all the time. So I'm like, oh, fine. We'll get a room. We'll stop. So we got a room. We spent the night for the night. It was me, April, Connor, Parker, our dog, in this Red Roof Inn in West Virginia. Well, the next morning we wake up and it had stopped snowing. And so we're going to get on the expressway. We're going to get going. So I called the state. I called actually the police and said, hey, is the toll road open? And the officer was like, well, no. It's still closed, and I kind of fussed at him a little bit. I was like, well, i got to get to Virginia. i got to go. And he's like, well, you can't go. It's closed. I'm like, well, I need to go to Virginia. He goes, well, sir, if you get on the toll road to go to Virginia, you're going to go to Virginia in an orange jumpsuit. I said, but I'll get there, right? So the road was still closed, so we were stuck in a hotel room again. Next day, we get up. Toll road's still closed. Three days, we were stuck in a red roof inn in West Virginia. It was not fun. I don't like West Virginia. Wasn't very fond of it before, but when they stuck me on my Christmas break in a red roof inn with two kids, a pregnant woman, and a dog, it was not a good time for me. 
we were stuck. Finally, the, the road opened. We were able to, to come and, and to leave, and so we, were, we got, got able to get home and had a good Christmas time. But for a while, we were stuck, and no one likes being stuck. No one likes being just, just standing still. And maybe this morning, maybe you feel stuck spiritually. Maybe you haven't grown a whole lot in your walk with God. And we're beginning a new year, and I know a lot of times, beginning the new year, we always set these resolutions, these things we're going to accomplish. We're going we're gonna to finally get in shape. Amen? How many of y'all, every year, like, I'm going to get in shape this year? Everyone, and look, every year I do it. And finally, I just, about the third weekend, I'm like, you know what? Round is a shape. So I am in shape. Amen. So, hey, accomplished. Though we have all these things we want to do, we want to, we want to read more. We get our finances in order. We want, to, we want to do all these things. And hopefully most of us, because I like setting resolutions. It's good goals to have. And you try to hit some of them. So set, re set, set reasonable ones. You know, I'm not setting a goal, I'm going to lose 100 pounds this year. Like, I'm going to, let's try a pound a week. Let's go for that. Amen. But, you know, don't set some reasonable goals. But sometimes we, we look at our spiritual life and we, we feel kind of stagnant. Maybe you haven't grown very much in your walk with God this year or since you began walking with Him. Maybe you've been going through the motions year after year and you're kind of tired of it. Maybe you'd even call your, your faith boring. Maybe being stuck is, is frustrating. It, it feels like you're wasting your time. Now, the good news is if you feel stuck this morning, you're not alone. It's a, a common problem that even the Apostle Paul had to deal with. If you find yourself bored with your walk with God, that, that's okay. It's, it, the first step is to admit it, and let's go from there. But it's, it's time to get unstuck. It's time to move on. It's time to get out of the hotel, get on the road, and get out of West Virginia. Amen? Spiritually speaking. Now, Paul was constantly pressing forward in his goal of becoming a mature Christian, even though he was far from reaching his goal. So look in Philippians chapter 3, starting verse number 12. <clears throat> Paul says, Not as though I have already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What I love about the Apostle Paul is he was not perfect and he knew it. Paul had no problem by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the eternal word of God, to say, I'm a mess. I don't have everything together. I don't, sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes I find myself struggling to do what I know is right. I find myself doing things I know I shouldn't do, and I, I mess up a lot, but I keep going. I keep trying. I don't let my past failures hold me back. I don't live in the glory of of my past successes. I forget the mistakes. I forget the problems. I forget the pain. I even forget the good things. And just today, I'm going to try to walk with God. Today, I'm going to keep pressing 
towards God, Paul took responsibility for his own spiritual journey. He took responsibility for his spiritual growth. He wasn't going to live in the past. He was going to go forward. He had a goal that he was working towards. He was trying to reach for. He was continuing to press towards, and he worked toward that goal every single day to try and reach it. And Paul knew and he understood that it wasn't because of his goodness or his work or his effort that God was doing anything, but it was God working in him to conform him to the image of his son. Just a verse, a chapter earlier in Philippians 2, verse 13, Paul says this, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. Paul said, anything that I do, anything that's, that's, that's of value or anything that's worth, worthwhile in me, it's not because of me, it's because of God working in me. But he also understood that though God was working in him to perform these things, he had a responsibility in the process of growing towards God as well. In verse 12, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now look, he didn't say work for your salvation. He said work out your own salvation. You can't work for your salvation. Your salvation is a free gift of God. It's not, you can't earn it. You're not worthy of it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. God, through his, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, has offered salvation to all of mankind. And when he accepts that, that's all we have to do to, to become a Christian, to have God uh, be, be saved. But once you receive the free gift, you are challenged to live it out. You are challenged to mature in your walk with God, to grow in your relationship with God. God doesn't want us stagnant. He wants us to continue to grow and learn of him and mature and become more like him. First Timothy 4, Paul said this, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little. Let's focus on that. Bodily exercise profits little. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? All right. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs that a, a, a wicked man runs when no man pursue it. That's why I don't run. Because I'm not wicked. Amen? But Paul said bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of life that, is, that now is and of that which is to come. Here's what Paul's saying. Because look, what's going to happen January 1st is a lot of people are going to join the gym. The first couple weeks of January, gyms are going to be packed. Come February, they're going to kind of dwindle down. And the people who were going throughout the year, they'll still go. But people who never went to the gym a day in their life and they sign up, in January, they're going to continue to go. And you know what? They're going to continue to pay that membership fee. That's why in January, gyms are like, hey, we'll waive the activation fee. You just come and sign up and give us your check card and we'll take it out every month. Because they know you're not going to cancel. Because you're going to look at that gym card every day and think, I should go to the gym, I should go to, and not. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, stop joining the gym, but never going. Get off the couch and get busy growing. Get busy maturing and working and growing in your relationship and your walk with God. Moving forward in your faith. It brings blessings to our lives. It brings fulfillment in this life and eternal rewards in heaven. But too many Christians are stuck spiritually. They're not growing. 
and God tells us to move forward. We, we hear sermons, we read books on growing in our faith, and we, we stay the same. We are stuck in spiritual adolescence. In the 1960s, a psychologist named Eric Erickson developed a theory of maturity. And he stated that teenagers reach a point in their life of social development where they, they reach a crisis of identity. And he calls this crisis role confusion versus identity. He believes that at, at a certain age or a certain time, teenagers begin searching for their own identity. Separate from their parents, separate from their families, separate from everything. They start trying to search and discover who they are what they like, how they want to live their life. And Erickson believed that if teens couldn't establish a coherent uh, idea of their own personal identity, that they would struggle the rest of their life relating to others and relating to the world around them. According to him, if a teenager doesn't walk away from adolescence with a clear sense of who they are, they will never have a healthy personality. They will be people in adult bodies who are stuck as teenagers. They'll be constantly confused about who they are, and they'll live out the rest of their life searching for their identity. They will live in perpetual adolescence for the rest of their lives. And there are a lot of Christians who are stuck in spiritual adolescence. They've never learned who they truly are in Christ. They've never learned what God really says about them. We struggle for who we are and where we fit in and what we want to do, and so we never truly grow, spiritually speaking. We never grow in our walk with God. They exist in their faith instead of living in the reality of who God has called them to be. So who are you? Every one of us searches for a clear identity. We want to possess a sense of who we are. And there's a lot of places people try and find their identity. Maybe they try to find their identity in their career. And your career can do more than just pay the bills. Your career can, can define you. It can boost your ego. It can give you a feeling of accomplishment. So a lot of people try to find their identity in their career. Maybe you try to find your identity in your relationships. People who love you and accept you and, and choose you. And you, you, you want to have, you, you have your identity in people who care for you and who know you. Maybe you, you find your identity in your possessions. That new car, it's more than just a mode of transportation. It's a statement of who you are. And so your possessions are what define you. You are defined by what you own and how nice you are. Maybe you find your, your identity in your hobbies. Maybe you find your identity in the team you root for. You dress up for the games, you go tailgating, you paint your face, and you, you do everything, and, and you, you cheer for your team, and that is defining who you are. And all those things are important parts of your life. Hobbies and relationships and careers and all these things are vitally important to our life, but they don't last. They're fleeting. They're temporary. And God breathes purpose and meaning into our lives. When we seek our identity in places other than our relationship with Christ, we're left empty. We're left wanting. We're left longing. So we have a choice. We can bounce from relationship to relationship, possession to possession, career to career, in a, a frustrating quest to find our identity, or 
We can embrace God's invitation to lose our lives and find our identity in him. The Bible says, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, he goes, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? God invites us into a new and an incredible identity. God invites us to find ourselves in him. Only in God can we find ourselves and be made whole. The invitation to become a child of God is also an invitation to receive a new identity. When you became a Christian, when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you became a new creature. You were made new. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Your old identity, your old life is dead. Paul continues in Galatians 2. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. As children of God, as Christians, we need to move beyond spiritual adolescence. We need to mature in Christ, and we need to get unstuck and begin moving in a relationship with God. To do that, we've got to understand who we are. We've got to understand who God says we are in Christ. We need to rediscover the identity that God has given us. So how do we do that? First of all, by finding yourself. If I were to ask you who you are, what would you say? How would you describe yourself? Your mother? Your father, your pastor, your nurse, your student, your child, your mechanic, your friend, your gamer. What are you? Now, those are all good titles except gamer. Those are all good titles to have, and there's nothing wrong with them, but they're not your identity. They describe what you do. They don't describe who you are. Knowing who you are is critical. And too many of us, we, we struggle through life unsure of who we are and what we have been created for. We are lost floundering, unsure of ourselves. We need to know who we are and find our true identity. And here's the thing, the Bible has a lot to say about who you are. God has a lot to say about what your identity is as a follower of Jesus Christ. And Peter, he gives us an incredible reminder to Christians about who God says we are in him. In 1 Peter chapter 2, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now look, that word, it doesn't mean weird. Some people are, oh, I'm peculiar, i got to be strange. Mission accomplished, some of you have done that. That word peculiar in the Greek, it means possessed by. What God says is you belong to me. Now look, I know when, you know, I tell, if I tell April, you belong to me. You know, see, all oh, that's sweet, but it's also like, uh, I ain't nobody's. We don't like that, but God says, you belong to me. I own you, I bought you, I paid for you. 
You are mine. I chose you. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now a people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Look at the images that Peter gives you describing your new identity. Look what Peter says God says you are. He says you are a child of God. You are a chosen child of God. God picked you out. God looked at you before you were even born, before you were even thought of. God said, I'm going to know them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to choose them. And you are a chosen Child of God, he goes, you are a priest. You are the bride of Christ. You are his servant. You are God's friend. He says, you are an alien in this culture. You are an ambassador. This is what God says you are. And as we understand who we are, as we begin to know ourselves, we are enabled by God to live in the reality of our true identity, to walk with God, and grow in our relationship with him. Understanding our identity and who we are in Christ, it impacts how we live. It liberates us from performance-based Christianity, and it honors God. Knowing you're finding yourself is important. Second thing, not only we've got to find ourselves, we have to be ourselves. Being yourself. In 2007... There was a movie released called Freedom Writers, and it, it, was a, it was an incredible story. It's a true story of an English class in Long Beach, California. This was a, a class in a very troubled school, in a very troubled school district, and the, the administration believed that most of these students in this freshman English class or this freshman class period would, would never graduate. They'd drop out of school. They'd join gangs. They'd be on the street because that was what typically happened in this school district. And so they gave this class to a first-year teacher who kind of came in and they thought, well, it's hopeless. We'll just give it to her. She can't do anything. And she, she saw the hopelessness of these students and she decided to teach them that they weren't defined by their, where they lived. They weren't defined by what everyone else had done. And so she helps them stop seeing themselves as hopeless and she gives them a voice. She helps them see that they matter. She helps them see that they're important. And as they began to see themselves differently, they began to act differently. Their grades improved. They started performing better at home. They stayed in school and started being different. Our understanding of our identity impacts how we live each day. If you see yourself as worthless, you're going to act worthless. But if you see yourself as chosen and precious and honored by God, it'll change how you live. We live out who we believe that we are. Kenneth Boa, in his, his book, Conform to His Image, he said this. We cannot consistently behave in ways that are different from what we believe about ourselves. See, God sees you how you really are. God has given you a new identity, and he expects you to live in the reality of who you are. So you know what that means? That means that as a child of God, you are to trust your perfect heavenly Father. As a priest, 
You are to enter into the presence of God anywhere and anytime. As the bride of Christ, you are to live purely because he declares you as pure. As his servant, we are to serve him gratefully. As his friend, we are to enjoy being with him. As an alien in this world, we are to live differently. And as an ambassador to God, we are to represent him to this lost and dying world. Seeing yourself for who you are changes how you act. So you have to find yourself, have to be yourself. And thirdly, freeing yourself. Trying to live out your faith without understanding your true identity, it leads to legalistic faith. Instead of enjoying the freedom that we found in Christ, we become handcuffed to performance-based religions. Christianity becomes a list of things we have to do. I pray because I have to, because that's what good Christians do. I I tell people about Jesus because I have to. I go to church because I have to. I tithe because I have to. And religion begins with behavior and uses that to define your identity. And the the, uh, order is wrong. We need to start with who God says we are And allow that to change how we act. And when we do that, we find freedom. We need to, we find freedom from all these lists. We realize who we are, our true identity. We free ourselves from these lists. See, Jesus never wanted us to live a life following a bunch of have-tos. I have to do this. Because I'm a Christian. Paul wrote to the Christians at Galatia because the Christians at Galatia were trading the joy and freedom in Christianity for a a legalistic set of rules. And here's what he said in Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. While we are free in Christ, we... Still too often we we live with the yoke of bondage to religion, to rules, to regulations. And what Paul is telling us is you are free. Enjoy the freedom that Christ has given you through your new identity. Obey God because he has freed you, not because you have to. Because of your new identity, you don't have a list of have-tos, you have a list of get-tos. Because... You're a child of God, you get to trust Him. Because you are a priest, you get to come into His presence. Because you are His bride, you get to be faithful to Him. Because you are His servant, you get to serve Him. Because you are His friend, you get to hang out with Him. Because you are an alien, you get to live for God's kingdom. Because you are an ambassador, you get to to speak for him, knowing who you are, knowing your identity frees you. So we have to free yourself. And then finally, when we're finding our new identity, not only do we know ourselves and find and be ourselves and free ourselves, but fourthly, we glorify him. The end result of you knowing and understanding your identity is not so you can see how awesome you are. Because here's a biblical truth you need to understand. You're not awesome. You stink. But hey, so do I. So we're in good company, right? So did Paul. So did Peter. So did all the apostles. They all were terrible. 
It's not about how great you are or how awesome you are. Your identity is from God, and, it's for the, and the purpose of it is for God to be glorified. You are to understand your identity so you can praise Jesus. Look again what Peter said. But ye are a chosen people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He didn't say, hey, you're all these things so you can brag about how great you are. He goes, no, 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 you are all these things so you can tell how great God is. So you can glorify God because of what he's done in you. God is honored when we grasp who we are, when you really get it, when you really understand who God has made you to be, your automatic response is to declare and glorify God and tell people how great he is, not how great you are. Understanding your identity, understanding who you are will change how you live. It will free you and it will help you bring glory to God. And because of that, Satan wants to steal your identity. In World War II, one of the tactics of the Nazi regime when they would, when they would arrest and kidnap the Jewish people and put them in the concentration camp was to take away their identity. They separated them from their families. They took away their clothes. They shaved their heads, and they gave them a number. And they didn't call them by their name. They called them by their number because they wanted them to, to think they didn't matter. They're not a person. They're just a number. Because they knew if they lost their identity, they'd be defeated. They wouldn't fight back. And that's exactly what happened. Satan wants to do the same thing to us. He wants to destroy your understanding of who you are in Christ. He wants to rob you of the freedom of enjoying our identity as Christians. And too often, he succeeds. And we live defeated lives. Because we don't understand our true identity, we live stuck in spiritual adolescence. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. You are not a number. You are a loved, chosen, accepted child of God. God has given you an incredible identity. Find it. Live it. Be free in it and glorify God because of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.